cool. Well, we're in Psalm 119. I encourage you to open up your Bibles there. We're going to be starting off in, in verse 65, and we'll see how long we go uh, through this chapter tonight. And you know, guys know Psalm 119 is all about the Bible. And so hopefully as we're going through uh, this chapter that it kind of gives you even more of a hunger for the word. And uh, I think that as you get a hunger, you know, to uh, learn it and, and live it, that it's really going to be a life-changing thing as we go through here. And just kind of give you an idea of how this section of Psalm saturates us in God's word. Um, watch what happens, you guys. When I read the next eight Hebrew lines in a different order without using the synonyms they have for the scriptures. So just check this out. I'm going to read it to you. This is basically what it says about the word in the next eight uh, lines in the Hebrew language. It says, You have dealt well with your servant according to your word. God, I believe your word. I delight in your word. Teach me your word that I may learn your word. I will keep your word with my whole heart. Now I keep your word, for your word is better than any amount of money. And so that's what he says in, in the next eight lines in the Hebrew language. I mean, he uses a lot of synonyms, and so sometimes it's hard to capture it, you know, because he's talking about the commands or the law or the statutes or the testimonies or the word. But when you, when you really hone in on what he's saying here, he's just, man, we don't know again if it's one author some even believe that there's 176 different people that contributed to this psalm. Uh, again, so we don't know, but it really is something uh, written by God. It's special. It's intended to help us fall in love with the Bible, okay? And so prayerfully, this is how we see the scriptures. I think that if we do see the Bible in the beauty that is presented here, it will be a changed life. One man said, I believe the Bible is the best gift that God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated as, to us through this book. I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. End quote. And that man who said that was a guy by the name of Abraham Lincoln. And so it's cool, you know, when you really, uh, when you love the Lord, you're going to love the Bible. And when you start, like, just longing for it, Lord, teach me it, because I want to live it, I want to know it, then what happens is God will work in you, and God will work through you. But you really have to start, you know, getting into it. And so today we pick it up in, in verse 65. It's Teth, the ninth letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And notice what you read here in Psalm 119, verse 65. It says, you have dealt well with your servant O lord uh, according to your word teach me good judgment and knowledge for i believe your commandments before i was afflicted i went astray but now i keep your word you are good and do good teach me your statutes the proud have forged a lie against me but i will keep your precepts with my whole heart their heart is as fat as grease but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. And so he begins with that declaration there in verse 65. You have dealt well with your servant. 
And in looking at your life, you guys, how many of you would say that God has dealt well with you? You know, that he's, uh, you know, dealt you a good hand, so to speak, in life. And, you know, we've all uh, gone through different uh, things in our lives. Some of you guys here, maybe you were uh, raised in a nice Ozzie and Harriet type of home or something, you know, and you're, you feel blessed in that sense. But a lot of us here, we haven't. We've experienced so much heartache and trials and, and you know, tragedies. And, and so maybe, you know, you might look at verse 65 and say, no, you know, God hasn't dealt well with me. But, you know... Uh, when you start learning about the Lord, and it's kind of interesting, he says, you have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word, then, then you realize that he has. You know, no, no matter what it is, I mean, here you guys are at a midweek service, I mean, what percentage of people are seeking God in the middle of the week? But God has brought you to that place, um, and even though you've gone through so much, you know, uh, when someone asks you, how you doing? Well, you know what's a good answer is, is always that you can always say it is well, right? It is well with my soul. I was thinking of that individual who wrote that song. Um, I have the, the paperwork here somewhere. Have you guys heard that, that hymn, It Is Well? Um, Horatio, is, I think that's his first name, right? Horatio uh, Spafford. And uh, this is an individual who was going good in life. Uh, he was a a successful attorney he owned a lot of property he married the the dream girl the soulmate he had five beautiful children and, and things were going well for him right but as a devout Christian he would immerse himself in scriptures and this guy was serving the Lord and you would figure that everything you know would just kind of fall in place but what ended up happening is no matter how great your faith is you guys got to know that it, it doesn't spare us from adversity, right? And so uh, what things began to change in his life, first of all, their son died. Now, if that was all that happened, you know, to you as a, as a parent, you, you lose one child. I mean, that right there could just rock your world, right? But then what happened was the Great Chicago Fire. It destroyed nearly every real estate investment that Horatio owned. And so uh, a few years later, still trying to recover from the loss of their son and the loss of uh, their properties, uh, his wife and daughters, uh, they were sailing to Europe. And uh, as they were sailing to Europe, there was a, a tragedy there in the voyage. And so there's a famous telegram she sent him, and it says, uh, saved alone. And what that was in reference to was that there was a, a all four of his children, his daughters, had passed away, and so uh, Horatio then, as his wife did eventually make it to Europe, he then sailed behind her, and as he's processing this whole thing, you know, he lost his son, he he lost all four daughters, he's lost virtually all of his finances, as he's going through uh, the 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 ocean. He comes to the place where, uh, I guess this is where the, the shipwreck took place. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit gave him a song. And you guys know that song, right? It, it is well with my soul. And then the lesson in the song is that, that when things are going good, praise God. It is well. But when things are going bad, supposedly, and, and from our perspective, 
it, it is still well. And that's what the song says. It says, when peace like a river attendeth my way. We like that, huh? When peace like a river attendeth my way. But when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And, I, and, I, and when you read Psalm 119, you, I don't know who it is, and we don't know all the details of what's going on, but this guy's going through some very, very difficult times. And we're going to see it even today. But, but notice what he says there in verse 65. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. And I, my, and I pray, and, and as we you know, continue our journey as Christians, no matter what happens, the good times, the peaceful times, you know, the crazy times, that we will be able to make this declaration, God has dealt well with me. And I know that he would never allow anything to come my way unless it's been filtered through his sovereign grace and somehow he's going to work it out for good, see? And so that's the value of knowing God's word. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, uh, according to your word. And so he says in verse 66, Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe your commandments. And so it's kind of cool to know uh, the, the Bible's true. Do you believe it? Do you believe it's true? Well, if you believe it's true, then I want to know it, man. Lord, I believe your word, Lord, so teach me it. And sometimes the way that he teaches us his word is not in a classroom. It's not in a sanctuary or sermon setting. Uh, sometimes the way he really, really teaches us his word is through, through the difficulties, right? the divine discipline and notice what he says next before i was afflicted i i went astray but now i keep your word now we're going to see the word afflicted uh three times uh, tonight in our text verse 71 and verse 75 it's a word that that means to cause pain or suffering or trouble the hebrew word uh, speaks also of being oppressed depressed put down brought low it's um, and you know when I when you guys think of the, the the story of Job, what happened to him? What what really happened to Job? Demons were unleashed upon him. And you ever feel that? You ever feel like man, the enemy is just hitting me hard? I mean, you know the affliction, and it could be something like a, a sickness or an illness. Uh, but it's interesting how the definition of the word, it, it speaks of oppression. It speaks of depression. You know, and, and sometimes even those things come our way. God allows them. Maybe not authoring everything, but allowing everything. Why? Why? Well, it says there in verse 67, before I was, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. You know, my, my flesh, to be honest with you, it hates it. But the maxim is true, where there's no pain, there's no gain, you guys. And uh, when you look in the Bible, you see some of the craziest guys that were doing the craziest things. And if they were allowed to die in that condition, um, maybe go to hell or lose the calling upon their life. So thank God, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. You know, I think of Manasseh. Manasseh was a king uh, in the southern kingdom of Judah. He became king when he was 12 years old. And I don't know who uh, and, and, you know, influenced this guy, but
but he was one of the worst kings that the southern kingdom of Judah ever had. This guy not only built altars to Baal, he built altars to Ashtoreth, and then what he did was he built them inside the temple. And so it was crazy. He offered his children to Molech, which basically meant that he sacrificed his children. And so he seduced, the Bible says he seduced Judah, and he led, he led this kingdom astray. And so what ends up happening is God deals with him uh, in Second Chronicles 33. If you want to turn there, you can. If not, I'll read it to you. But Second Chronicles uh, 33, it says, And the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they would not listen. Has that ever happened to you? Or do you guys, you guys got it all together? The Lord says, hey, I want you to do this, or I don't want you to do this. And he starts speaking to us. And the Holy Spirit, the cool thing about the Holy Spirit is that he's, you know, he just keeps, you know, touching and, and pointing on things. And says, I, I want that to change. And, and, and it's the best thing to do is just to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because if not, then, you know, God's going to have to step it up. And so that's what happens here in Second Chronicles 33. It says, therefore, the Lord brought upon them the captains of the army of the king of Assyria who took Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze fetters, and carried him off to Babylon. And so in those days, you know, they would take uh, uh, these hooks, literally, and they would put them in the, in the, in the, in the, you know, the mouth. And sometimes they would cut off limbs. The Assyrians were, were really crazy. And so here, you know, you've got the king and he's going off to Babylon in, in bondage. Now, for most of us here, that's probably not going to happen, literally speaking. You're probably not going to go to jail, although some of you, maybe you will, I'm not sure. But, you know, um, but, but there is a spiritual side to this, you guys, where if we won't, we won't listen to the Lord, we, we go astray. And I'm not talking where, you know, you know well, I'm, you know, you're doing crystal meth or you're doing crime. I'm just talking about God wants you to be here and you won't. Then, then God, sometimes he'll have to bring us to things like this. And maybe there's like a spiritual uh, way uh, where you feel like there's hooks. You feel like there's chains. You feel like there's depression and, and it's, it's the Lord sometimes, you know, dealing with us. This, this affliction happens. If you're there, though, don't lose heart. Because look what happened to Manasseh. It says in verse 12, 2 Chronicles 33, Now when he was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God. He, he begged God and, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed to him. And he received his entreaty. In other words, God heard his his prayer and brought him back to Jerusalem into his kingdom. And then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. You know, and, and just think, you know, for me, you know, I, I don't know I, where you guys are in your walk with the Lord. I was thinking about my wife and I, you know, we've been um, serving the Lord for 30 years, you know, married for 27 years. We're on this journey together. You guys are too, huh? You're on this journey together. We're, 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 we're asking God to, to work in us. We're asking God to work through us. We're asking God to, to help us to get rid of the things that, that don't belong in life. And if you really pray that prayer, I don't know if you've ever prayed that prayer, but God, I, I want to give you my heart. I, I want to be all in. I want to be used by you. I want to make a difference. Lord, use me to 
you know, to beat up the devil or however you might want to word it. When you pray that prayer, God will, God will hear, God will begin to deal with us. God's not going to say, well, it's okay for you to be a, a mediocre, nominal, half-hearted Christian. No, God will then, okay, then let's really refine you. Let's really bring the cross into your life. Let's really, you know, we, and we suffer different things, these thoughts, the battles in our mind, humiliation, all that. God's trying to bring us to a place that is so beautiful and is so holy, you know, and he'll deal with us. You know, Manasseh here is an example, however, of no matter how bad you were, that when you get right with God, look at, I mean, this is, never happens. He gave him back his kingdom. That's huge. And so God can, can do anything. I was thinking of another individual that was disciplined by God. His name is Nebuchadnezzar, and he was the, the king of Babylon. And when you guys read his story in Daniel chapter 4, I mean, this guy, uh, God had warned him. You know, and just in case, you know, this is real stuff. God warns people. He warned him. He warned him in a dream. And so Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, and he asked all the wise guys to come and try to interpret the dream. And so he tells them the dream. He says that there was this tree. It was really tall, and it had a whole bunch of fruit, and it gave shade to everybody all around the world. And then what happens one day is someone comes and cuts the tree down. And so uh, when you read the story there, it's interesting. Nebuchadnezzar is asking, well, what does it mean? And so no one can tell him, but Daniel does because Daniel has the Holy Spirit inside of him. And Daniel says, I hope it's not you, king, but whoever this guy is, you know, he needs to cut off the sin. He needs to get rid of that in his life. He needs to humble himself and just know that God can put any man in any position, even the weakest of men he put up, as you know rulers in the world and so you know nebuchadnezzar heard what daniel said but a, a, about a year later nebuchadnezzar is walking around the kingdom and you say well look what i've done you know and then just pride filled his heart and so it was at that moment it's interesting when you read daniel chapter 4 it says before the words were even done coming out of his mouth god just broke him and God just humbled him to the point where he was uh, like an animal eating grass. He, his nails were real long, his hair. Basically, in one sense, I think we would probably see him today as a, as a homeless guy out there without any hope in the world until, until uh, eventually, it's uh, seven seasons, however long it took, basically, he, he got back to where he needed to be, that I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I need to humble myself and realize that God is God. Is God. And, and once he got right and, and let the discipline have its effect, then he was put back in that place where God wanted him to be, but with, uh, with a different attitude. And all I'm saying is this, because I don't know how you guys, uh, do you ever get disciplined by God? Do you ever? Some people are like, no, I don't think so. I, I, you know, honestly, honestly, you can't put your finger on you ever being disciplined by God. You know what? If you can't think of any time you've ever been disciplined by God, then you are out of touch with the Holy Spirit. 
That's what I would say. I, I can tell you, and I, and I won't because they're very personal convictions that I have, but just recently, I can tell you in the last month or so, God's saying, you know, I want that gone from your life, and he disciplined me. I want that gone from your life, and he disciplined me. They're personal convictions. They're things that would be different for all of us here, but, but you have to be, we have to be cognizant of the way that our Father loves us, and he's constantly, you know, disciplining us. And I know some kids are different. How many of you here had kids where you didn't have to spank too much? Just out of curiosity. There are a couple of kids that are a little bit more compliant, huh? But then there are some like, you know, the, the, some that they just, they just have that, that uh, stubborn personality. And maybe that's you. And so you need to stop it. Okay, we're learning about this. Charles Bridges said this. This is the gracious rod by which he scourges back his prodigal children to himself. Let me tell you something. If you're a Christian and you want to be right with God, then he won't let you get away with your sin. If you're a Christian and you want to be used by God and you want to experience the fullness of God, then he will go to the core of your heart, even dealing with attitudes that don't belong. Why? Because he loves you. And so God does this, right? We're going to see the, the afflictions uh, uh, that we go through. In, in verse uh, 69, uh, he continues on, The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. And so apparently, again, it's a terrible thing to go through. I don't know if you ever experienced it, but someone was talking behind him, smearing his name, ruining his reputation, and so what does he do? Um, I think the natural tendency is I'm going to lash back. I'm going to beat him down, or at least I'll defend myself, right? But, but he doesn't have that in his heart. No, his response is he's just going to prove they're wrong by living the life. That's what he says. The, the proud of forged a lie against me, but I will just keep your precepts with my whole heart. He, he just leaves the drama in God's hands, and, and he just trusts the Lord. And, and their heart, his heart is a lot different. Notice verse 70 again. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in your law. And you wonder, how do they get greasy hearts? Too many hamburgers, probably, right? But no, the greasy hearts, are, Spurgeon said, are hearts that through sensual indulgence have grown insensible, coarse, and groveling. And there's this contrast here between the greasy heart, slimy, sensual, depraved, and divided, and the whole heart mentioned in the previous verse there in verse 69, where I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. See, one of the things I, I, I want to encourage you, us in, is when we're obeying God, don't do it with a half heart. Do it with, I mean, I'm all in, God. Good attitude. Try that. Because it's really uh, a lot better to have a godly heart, you know, than a, than a greasy heart, right? And so we see it again in verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. And verse 72, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. So in all honesty, you guys, be honest. Are you there? Are we there to where we value this message over any amount of money? 
I mean, that's where the, the psalmist is, right? I mean, we've talked about the fact that there are three psalms that kind of hone in on the word. Psalm 1, Psalm 19, Psalm 119. And what we find right here, uh, Psalm 1910 is a great cross-reference. It says, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, and sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. I mean, some of us here, we really need the Lord. We really need like a miracle. We really need like a revival. We need like the Holy Spirit. I mean, you, you know, we're here and, and maybe you're just kind of going through the motions. You're, you're barely making it. You're squeaking by. And God is saying, I will have so much more for you. Don't worry about that person, this one or the other. I have this for you. And this is how you're going to get it. Fall in love with my word. Oh, but I'm not, I'm not really a reader. <laughs> Some people will say stuff like that. I, you know, I, I know for a fact that this is the best form of communication. It's better than watching the video. It's better than hearing it uh, on audio. You know, you, you, I know pastors who, when they got saved, they couldn't read. They didn't like reading. But when the Holy Spirit came into their life, you know, he taught them to read. And so, you know, this is how it happens, you guys. Uh, desiring God's word more than food, more than finances, more than money, than more than meat. Even in Job 23, 12, he says, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Not just food, but necessary food. Imagine you're there and, you know, you're, you're, you're starving. You don't have any food you know, what he's basically saying is that at the end of the day, in all honesty, if I had to choose between the two, I'd rather have the Bible. And so I tell you what, this really is uh, such a cool thing to come to that place where you value the Bible like this. And I have a strange feeling that that's why the church is struggling the way that they're struggling. That's why individuals are, are going through the, the challenges and sometimes unnecessary trials uh, because of the fact that they don't value the scripture like this. And one last thing I thought was kind of cool in verse 72, he calls it the law of your mouth. And what that is, is you see it throughout the scriptures, how the Bible is referred to, you know, as uh, this word that comes out of the mouth of God. You know, it's God breathed. The Bible says in Second uh, Timothy chapter three verse sixteen, uh, theonupstos, and that means that we can almost smell the breath of God, you know, when we're reading uh, the Bible. And so uh, the next uh, letter is Yod in, in verse seventy-three. And notice what he says. He says, "Your hands have made me and and fashioned me. So give me understanding that I may learn your commandments." Those who fear you will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let, I pray, your merciful kindness be my, for my comfort according to your word to your servant. Let your tender mercies come to me that I may live for your law is my delight. And let the proud be ashamed, for they treated me wrongfully with falsehood. But I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me, those who know your testimonies, and let my heart 
be blameless regarding your statutes that I may not be ashamed. And remember, you guys, as we're reading through this psalm, it's prayer. I mean, he's just praying, 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 praying. Except for the first three verses, this psalm is just a big prayer uh, for so many things, especially in direction towards uh, the Word of God. But the, the Hebrew letter Yod is the 10th letter in the Hebrew alphabet. It's the smallest letter. Uh, Jesus referred to it in Matthew 5, uh, verse 18, where he says every, every jot and every tittle would come to pass. Uh, jot is uh, the transliteration of the Hebrew word Yod. And so uh, he says there in verse 73, Lord, you made me, you fashioned me for you. And so, God, you give me understanding. You know, and, and that's, uh, it's kind of interesting. You guys remember the parable of the, the sower, the seed and the soils? He says that sometimes the word of God, it falls on these hard hearts and the birds come and they, and they eat it up. And, and what that is then explained by Jesus is sometimes they, they hear the Bible and they don't understand it. And so the devil snatches it away. And I tell you what, if you go to a Bible study and you don't understand it, you go up to that teacher or you go to your husband or you go to your friend and you say, what does that mean? Because if you don't understand it, Jesus said, then the devil's going to snatch it up. It's kind of cool here that what he says is, Lord, you made me, you fashioned me. Give me understanding. I want to know what your word means. I, and, I, and I tell you what, you can talk to a lot of guys. We're not smart. We don't have a high IQ. We didn't, you know, go far in school. But we fell in love with God. And we fell in love with his word. And what ended up happening is we got this appetite. And then like, the more you got it, then the greater your appetite became. And the next thing you know, you, you go to this guy and he doesn't really have much of an education. But man, does he know the Bible. Why? Because God did a work in his heart. You know, and, and you're praying this. Give me understanding. That's his prayer there in, in verse 73. And in, in verse 74, notice again, those who fear you will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in your word. How many of you guys, when people see you, are, are, they're glad? How many of you guys, when people see you, they're sad? <laughs> You're like, I don't know. I don't know, Manny. So I, I know the enemy sometimes can use that and have a filled day with stuff like that. Um, thank God for a sanctuary. Thank God for a safe place here. But you know, um, what he's talking about right here is that here's an individual who, who keeps the word of God. And when the other Christians see him, that they're, they're just blessed to see this individual. You know, basically, it reminds me of uh, Paul's word to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, that he was to be an example to the believers. You know, that this guy, he really sticks to the scriptures. He lives it, and people are glad when they see you. And so, again, verse 75, talking about the afflictions. Uh, verse 77 is kind of interesting. Uh, Let your tender mercies come to me that I may live for your law is my delight. How many of you here have maybe messed up and you need a little mercy? You need some mercy. God, be merciful to me. It's kind of cool. That's what he's praying right here. And the reason he's praying is that, Lord, because at the end of the day, 
I delight in your word. I, I delight. That word, it means to take great pleasure in. God's word becomes your joy. You enjoy God's word. You enjoy reading it. You enjoy studying it. You enjoy going to Bible studies. It's cool. That's what, that's what he's saying in, in verse 77. And then again in verse 78, what do you do when you're mistreated? Again, notice what he says. Let the proud be ashamed for they treated me wrongfully with falsehood. What do you do when they treat you wrong? What he, go, what he does right here is he just goes into the word. I will meditate on your precepts. In verse 79, when he says, let those who fear you turn to me, is, I, I like the way the NLT translates it, let me be united with all who fear you, with those who know your laws. And so it's kind of like a reconciliation there, maybe between two individuals who had separated. And then the last letter for tonight in verse 81 is Kaf. And he says, my soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. My eyes fail from searching your word, saying, when will you comfort me? For I have become like a, a wineskin in smoke, yet I do not forget your statutes. How many are the days of your servant? When will you execute judgment on those who persecute me? The proud have dug pits for me, which is not according to your law. And all your commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help me. They almost made an end of me on earth, but I did not forsake your precepts. Revive me according to your loving kindness, so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. You know, here in, in, verse interest, in verse 82, it's interesting to me uh, the, the truth that when we're going through hard times, you know, I don't know, you know, I think some people eat, uh, when they call it comfort food. Have you guys ever heard that? Um, I tell you what, um, try eating the Word, eating the Bible. That that's what he talks about right here. It's interesting, even fascinating, that when we go through hard times, if we need comfort, we can run to God through his word. That's what he says right there. Doesn't mean it's going to happen right away. I, I will tell you times where, uh, honestly, I knew the enemy was coming against me. And so I just said, okay, I'm going to open up my Bible. And I was read, I was reading and reading. I wasn't getting anything. I kept reading, kept reading, kept reading. About two hours into it, finally, God gave me a personal word. And that's what he's saying right there. And you keep reading, you keep reading it because you know God is going to speak to me. God is going to give me something, right? And, and that's what he says. I mean, my eyes fail from searching your word saying, when will you comfort me? And, and verse 83 is interesting, for I have become like wineskin in smoke. And so smoke would, would stiffen, it would dry out, and eventually it would crack a wineskin, uh, rendering it useless, right? And so uh, the last thing in the world you want to become is an old wineskin. You guys know Jesus talked about the, the old wineskins? And here's God saying, I want to do a fresh work. I want to do a new work. But all this individual is is an old wineskin. I'm going to have to raise someone else up. I'm going to have to get new wineskins. Or I kind of like what he says right here. 
But when I, when I feel that way, when I feel dry, when I feel brittle, when I feel like an old wineskin, I'm going to get into God's word, and I'll bet you anything, if you're feeling that way, then God is going to minister to you. And that's why I encourage you, man, just get back into the word of God. You know, last verse I want to touch on is there in verse 88 where he says, Revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. You know, God is so good uh, to us, you guys. I mean, he, his love never fails. His loving kindness and his patience with us. And it's just so amazing the way that he's so gracious. But prayerfully, we take that loving kindness and we allow it to, to radically change us. Remember, we've talked about the fact how the, the fear of God is good, but it has a tendency to change us from the outside. The, the love of God is amazing, and it has a tendency to change us from the inside. And, and that's what I want. You know, I want, I, want a Lord, I want the Lord to do a, a real work in me. And so what ends up happening is it doesn't matter, you know, how much you know the Bible. It doesn't matter what position you have in the church. You, we, we will always go through times where we hit valleys and we need to be revived. Everyone here, we all go through it. And that's what I think we see here in Psalm 119 where this individual is just asking for mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation, you know. He, he's asking uh, for revival. And it doesn't matter how far you may have drifted. Um, the cool thing to know is that God is here and God is able to do something so amazing. And he'll chase you down and he'll chase down your kids and he'll chase down, you know, your compas and your neighbors and people that we haven't seen in a while. And it's so cool to know that that's the God that we serve. Uh, I was reading this story. Last thing I want to share with you, uh, it was uh, an individual uh, by the name of Dr. W.P. Uh, McKay. And uh, another one of these guys in the 1800s, when he was 17 years old, uh, he was sent off to college. He had been raised in a Christian home. And so uh, his mom, apparently a very godly mother, uh, as he was going off to college, she gave him a Bible and she wrote in the leaflet her name, his name, and John chapter 3, verse 16. And so he went off to school. And uh, as many times we see, you know, these kids, when they go to the university, he lost his faith. I mean, completely lost his faith, lost his Bible, drinking, partying, living that life, um, became successful. He actually became a doctor. And so as time would go on, eventually what ends up happening, this is a true story, this guy's a doctor one day. He's ministering to a patient who is looking at death. Uh, apparently, the, uh, the doctor said, I, I think you probably maybe just have a few days to live. And so his patient, this is the, the guy that went off to college. He lost his faith. Even though his mom gave him a Bible on the way out, he completely lost it. But here's this doctor, this guy, and he's ministering to a patient who's about to die. And the patient tells the doctor, uh, give me the book. Can you ask my landlady to send me the book? And so he gives the instructions to the nurse. The nurse apparently takes care of it. A few days later, uh, this guy dies. 
And so what ends up happening is after the individual dies, the doctor's curious. He said, well, what was the book? And the nurse said, well, it's right there. It's underneath his pillow. He goes, he gets the Bible, and you'll never guess which Bible it was. It was the one that his mom had given to him when he was 17 years old on his way out. And so he takes his book, and he looks up, and he says, God, <laughs> you know, you're... You really goes into his office. He opens up. He he starts reading that Bible, believing that it's God's word, and God gets a hold of his heart. And right there in his office, you know, this successful doctor who had everything else the world had to offer, but he had a void within him in his life. He gave his life to Jesus Christ. He goes on, and you guys can read about him in, in church history. You know, writing books, writing essays. You know, a great teacher of the word. But one of the, the greatest contributions he had was a song uh, that was called um, Revive Us Again. And it was based on the fact that, you know, it doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You know, maybe you're here and you're always at church, but you need a revival. You know, maybe you're here and you feel like no one loves you or God doesn't even want you. You know, that's the enemy. Now, I know God wants to do a work, you guys. I know he does. And I just pray that we would be open to that and that uh, tonight even we can pray, Lord, uh, fill me with your Holy Spirit. You know, revive me and chase me down with your word if that's what it takes. You know, make me open up my Bible with an open heart, bent knees, wet eyes, whatever it takes, Lord, because I don't want to live like an old wineskin, like, you know, dry, nominal, casual Christianity. I want everything you have to offer. And I believe that since God offers that, if that's something that you want, he'll give you that.